Good evening, planet Earth. Good evening to all the folks out there drifting down the river of life on a raft that's leaky. Good evening to the spaceship people stuck on a spaceship dumpster filled with spaceship garbage traveling between garbage planets. It's February the 27th, 2022, and I've just had about 5-10 minutes of bullshit. Technology bullshit, outlets that don't work bullshit. I mean, I gotta say something. You really know you're in a strange place when you're, you're in a situation and you say to yourself, all I want to do is plug a device into an outlet, and I can't even fucking do that, but that's okay. I like where I'm living, but one of the downsides is that, you know, there's some shoddy electrics in, in my room. And so you make do with what you got, and you try not to complain, but everybody gets frustrated, baby. We all get frustrated staring into the dark abyss of our own failure. We imagine ourselves traveling through space like we're superheroes. When in reality, we're all just space-time hookers and prostitutes. We're just drifters, all of us, really. And Jesus still loves you, baby. Jesus still loves you, drifter. Drifting from planet to planet. Seeking after gold. Yeah, no more gold for you, baby. No, I got a little frustrated a few minutes ago. It's been a weird few weeks. You haven't heard from me in a couple weeks, not in this venue. Technically, my last podcast was a few days ago, and it comprised what I can only call a deep, deep, look into my own madness, but also my optimism, you know, and what's I, I think is possible. You know, the rad manifesto, which some people won't get, isn't just about technology. It's about our relationship to technology. Are the tools using you or are you using the tools? In my lifetime, we went from tool users to being used by tools, and it didn't take long. Uh, the, the big part of the action happened with the quote-unquote smart devices. And then all of a sudden you notice that it was people being drawn by, pulled by, controlled by the tools. So if you ask, is Dan opposed to technology? No. But I am opposed to a kind of unconscious relationship with technology. I'm opposed to this kind of blasé attitude that a lot of motherfuckers have vis-a-vis -vis technology. A lot of the dumbass assumptions they make about what's feasible, and what's worst of all, believing that any of it is more than tentative. If you believe what you're told, the human race has been building towns and slashing and burning, building cities, and writing down languages 
for about 7,000 years, plus or minus. You can go back to the Sumerians and the Mesopotamians and the, you know, the Indus River Valley, but wherever you pinpoint it, somewhere between 10,000 and 7,000 years ago, people formed, you know, some of those first cities and started using technology. And it's great. It is great if you believe what you're told. But the bottom line is that in all that time, in the seven or 10,000 years of history, we have nothing like the last 100 years with respect to technology. Nothing. Nothing that we know of. I mean, you can read the Old Testament and you can read Genesis, and I believe it's Genesis 5 and 6, but you can read Genesis where it deals with the issue of Noah. And, and during Noah's time, we're told that shit was crazy and all kinds of fallen angel bullshit and some kind of high technology. But in reality, the story concerning Noah from the Bible is very brief. I mean, a lot of people draw inferences into what might have been going on at the time. Uh, but really, what we have from Genesis and the Bible is not a lot. So maybe there was super high technology in the Noah times. But if you believe that, then that was only about 4,000, you know, 5,000 years ago, really, according to biblical history, biblical time. You see, this is where you get trapped in whatever paradigm you've been suckered into. I'm a Christian, but I don't pretend to fully understand the Bible. I don't. I've read Genesis, and I can tell you that Genesis reads like what would be left over if there had been an apocalypse. I'm serious. You can look at it from the perspective of discernment, and you should, and you can look at it from the perspective of your own connection with God, and that is correct. But if you're just reading a story of history, and let's say you're just a good old-fashioned atheist, you could read Genesis and it reads like the story of a people where the story begins after some great calamity. I'm not saying that that's the way you're supposed to read it, because clearly it seems, you know, counterintuitive, right? In the beginning, you know, the Lord in heaven, right? He created everything. How's that destruction? But if you see it from a jaded perspective, you can ask the question, what was there before? Was there anything? Did anything exist before the first man and the first woman and all the, the shit? And I say shit, I shouldn't say that, but all the stuff that the Lord in heaven gave us, you know? Was there anything before that? I have no idea. I have no idea. That is called a mystery. I, I would say that when I die, maybe I'll find out. Maybe... The Lord reveals truths to the dead. I don't know. If I am to believe the Bible in an absolute, you know, doctrinal sense, there was nothing before the universe was created. There was nothing before it. But I got to tell you, right from the beginning, right after the universe is created, it definitely seems like one disaster after another. And, you know, human beings make it through. I guess that's a really long-winded way of saying, I don't know what we compare this to, but if your assumption is just because you have technology, it'll always be there, I think that's a faulty assumption. I'm not saying you're going to lose everything that you have that you would call technology, but, you know, it kind of leads me into, well, not technically my first topic, but I'll swap topics. Um, 
if you listen to my podcast, you know about a month ago, a little more than a month ago, maybe technically exactly a month ago almost, um, almost a month ago. Almost a month ago, my cousin Michael died, and people die. Let's not dwell on it because these are kind of, you know, messed up times for a lot of people. And dwelling on death isn't necessarily helpful. I mean, let's just get this out of the way. As we all know, and we all should know after the age of 12, it's not the dead that suffer. When someone dies, it's the living. The dead, you know, if you believe what I believe, are at peace. And if you're a Christian, you're at peace with the Lord. I'm not saying you should want to be dead, but, you know, the dead are either completely non-existent, which means not feeling any pain at all, or they're someplace better. But in either case, it is not the dead who suffer after death. It's, it should be obvious, it's common sense, but we don't think about it. We go to a funeral and we have these feelings, but we don't completely understand them. The feelings of anguish and sadness are about that person no longer being here to help. That person no longer being here to be connected with. That person no longer being the person you can pick up the phone and say, Hey, Bob, how you been? Because other than a fucking Twilight Zone episode where the old woman gets calls late at night and the calls are coming from her dead husband because a telephone line it fell into the mud at the cemetery, baby. And she gets a call from her dead husband asking for beer. That's right, asking for beer, baby, right from the grave, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The dead, I'm going to say this, it won't make any sense, because we, we shouldn't harm people. You know I follow the non-aggression principle. You know I think that basically following the rules according to God, according to the Ten Commandments and the Golden Rule, according to the Beatitudes, if you can live a Christian life, that means living a good life. It means also giving a shit about your neighbor, not in any, any government sense where you point guns at them so that they live a good life, but being there to help them and being concerned. These are good things. These are not bad things. Okay? So when I say the dead are fine, I don't mean it's okay that there are dead people. Well, it happens. It's not okay or not okay. But the dead are fine. It's the people left behind who have to pick up the pieces. Now, how does this connect to that weird rant about technology? My uncle Wayne died. Um, I was notified today. I can only assume he died yesterday. So that's my assumption. But he might have died today. I just don't know. Um, I don't really obsess on the details of death when it comes to people I love because I just don't see the point. The exact moment a person dies is interesting to a doctor, maybe to a scientist, but when it's somebody you love, it's more that they're just gone. And that whatever you intended to do, whatever you wanted to say is no longer ever going to be said. You know, I lost my sister Nancy in 2012. And I remember this one time I was driving through traffic must have been, God, it must have been a few months before. And I was supposed to have dinner with her, and I was just too annoyed with the traffic to drive to Kent or, 
you know, drive out to where she was. And I called her up and said I couldn't have dinner. And I used to think about that because I could have just stayed in the car and kept going. I was annoyed with life and I was annoyed with my situation. And, you know, I think my marriage was pretty well falling apart by that point. And I was just having a bad day where all I wanted to do was go home and disconnect. Disconnect from everything. And so I called up my sister and said, you know, I just can't go. I can't make it through traffic. Those are the things you wish you could undo after somebody's gone. I'm not saying I'm the worst person in the world, but the truth is whenever somebody dies, there's always going to be something you wish you could have said or done. It's just the way it is. I, it's part of the tragedy of death. Part of the tragedy of death is what you lose. My Uncle Wayne was a very smart um, guy. He worked in aerospace. He worked with airframes and metals. He worked with the type of technology that a lot of folks today would say, well, I'll just look that up on the internet. And, and Bloomberg says anybody can be a farmer. My Uncle Wayne worked with technology in a way that yeah, you know, even if he had a computer, he wouldn't have wanted it because his computer and his brain probably worked better than any computer that was ever handed to him. He was the kind of person that learned to do things with metallurgy that, yeah, you might find in a few books here and there, but you're never going to reproduce. And I can only hope that in his time as a professional, as a person working in aerospace that he mentored others because that truly is one of the ways you leave a legacy, okay? One of the ways you leave a legacy is by helping young people, okay? It's, I know this is gonna sound crazy, it's called kindness, not communism, buddy, but one of the ways you can leave a legacy is by helping young people to learn and to learn a craft so that one day they can do the same thing that they can teach. I've said this before and I'll say it again. The Lord in heaven came to earth as the Son of God, Jesus Christ. You know, I'm a Christian, I believe this. And Jesus Christ walked amongst us and he, he had many things to teach us. But one of the things we forget about what he was teaching us, especially when it comes to discipleship, is he was trying to teach us how to teach. Because, you know, Jesus kind of understood that it couldn't just be a cult. And it couldn't just be a bunch of smart people meeting in some academy in Greece talking about God. That was kind of useless. If, if the faith was going to be meaningful, it had to be lived. And the only way it could be lived is that if when one day, Virginia, one day, Bob, you die, the faith doesn't stop there. You ask yourself, what is discipleship? It is ensuring that those principles that are worthy of God continue even when you are no longer here to be a disciple. That's what it is. And I talked about this a bit after my, my cousin died, and that wasn't that many podcasts ago. I talked about this a bit, but it is, it is important to consider the legacy you leave behind when it comes to those instructions and ideas you leave with young people. It is, you know. My Uncle Wayne, you know, it's funny. We, you know, like with a lot of families, you spend one holiday with the relatives of the mom and you spend one holiday with the relatives of the dad. And we pretty much, you know, spent, from my memory, we more or less spent Thanksgiving Day, I think, with my dad's relatives. 
But we would often spend Christmas Day with my mom's relatives and Christmas Eve with my dad's relatives, whatever. The point is, somewhere in there, and believe it or not, somewhere in there, I think it was mostly Christmas Day, um, as I can recall, my Uncle Wayne would show up. And I got to say, I used to love listening to his stories. He was a hunter. He was an outdoorsman. You know, about a year ago more during the monkey herpes COVID, I had a little podcast series called Survival Quest Theater. And if you go to my podcast archives at planetarystatusreport.com and you, you know, control F, which I think you can figure out, you have to be this tall to use a browser, um, just look for the word survival and chances are you'll find one of them. It didn't last long. But what it, what it was kind of based upon, or in a way it was an homage to, is those really cool stories that my uncle would tell. And, and I think like any raconteur, any storyteller, I'm sure he embellished at times. But that didn't really matter because his stories pretty much almost always had a lesson. And they were always interesting enough to impart a lesson. I never ended up becoming an outdoorsman, really. I mean, I go out in the outdoors and I can survive out there if I have to, but I am somewhere between city folk and country folk. My main reason for not being in cities right now is most of the cities are going insane. Don't know why. We can talk about that later. We're talking about Uncle Wayne right now, but Uncle Wayne was a person involved in a lot of high technology, but he was also the kind of person who I think had a lot of respect for nature and enjoying the fact that it's there. You know, I hope that he mentored others, and I'm sure he did. And I hope the people that he mentored did the same thing. I hope that they did. I don't know that that's true. I can tell you that someone like him is, is, is a loss because he has so much knowledge of doing things with technology prior to the quote-unquote computer age. I mean, yeah, 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 they had computers when he was still working, but not to the extent that it sort of replaced a person's brain. And now you look around, you say, why are planes falling out of the sky? And why do we have this issue with this issue? And, you know, people will say, why do I buy a coffee pot, but it only lasts five months? My parents had one that lasted 50 years. You know, why? And, and I, you can have lots of reasons for that. You know, the globalism thing they sold you on, which turned out to be a lot of fucking bullshit, that's part of the reason. But the other reason is, is that we no longer, as a society, we no longer have as many of those people who, who could just go out and build a boat. You know, if you left them in the middle of nowhere and said, okay, survive, but more importantly, I need you to build a boat. I don't know how many people could do that. Very few could survive. And fewer, fewer than that would actually know much of technology in terms of their own hands, their own hard work. So yeah, you'd have lots of people scavenging like coyotes, lots of people in the wilderness acting like, you know, weird types of monster children. But in reality, um, because of what's happened in the last couple decades, we would, we would be going back a, a long ways if it weren't for people like my Uncle Wayne. And people, hopefully, like I said, he mentored, you know? But again, a lot of you folks, you assume because you have a phone today, you'll have a phone tomorrow. Not all of you, but a lot of you do. I don't want to spend too much time on this, mainly because um, 
You know, it's just one of those things that happens to everybody. People you know will die. I seriously doubt in the last couple of years of the monkey herpes that I am the only person with stories of death. <laughs> Lots of people have them. Lots of people have been confused and lied to about them. So not only do they have tragedy, but they have lies on top of it. I'm sorry, folks. I, I'm sorry if you think the monkey herpes COVID was real. I'm sorry if you still wear a mask to this very day. If you do, I'm sorry for you. And I am sorry if a hospital killed your loved one and then blamed an invisible thing like Bigfoot. I'm really, really sorry about that. Because not only do you have to deal with tragedy, which is a thing of life, it always happens, but you have to have a lie put on top of it. And then that lie can tear people apart. And then because you give them all kinds of weird agendas and theories, well, maybe it was the Chinese, maybe it was the Americans, who released it, maybe it was Bill Gates. You give them lies and deception and confusion. But what you have is human tragedy. Now, a lot of you folks, you need the lies right now, and I get it. But very, very soon, you're going to need to understand and know how to do the things that my uncle Wayne knew how to do seven days a week, 24 hours a day, or you're going to die. That's it. Not all of you, but a lot of you will. And if you're saying, well, Dan, that's horrible, it is horrible. And the answer is you have a fucking choice. You can be a victim of reality. And believe me, I've been there, done that. We all have. You can assume that reality is there for you like your iPhone is there for you. That's fine. Lots of people have been there. Okay? You can assume that your life will be over if the electricity's off. That's fine. If you can't live without electricity, that's okay. It is your ice cream cone. It is your life, okay? Read the book of Ecclesiastes. It's yours. And it's wonderful and it's beautiful and it's fucking dangerous. And it's the why, the simple why, none of us make it out alive. Some of us will live longer than others, though. My Uncle Wayne lived to be an old man, okay? And he lived a big life. You know, he was in Vietnam. Um, I think he was in the Navy, but he was in Vietnam. My uncle lived a full life, I believe. And like my cousin, who was taken way too soon, I do believe he ate the ice cream cone and he gets an A+. From my perspective, I'm a critic. You know, critics are easy. But like my cousin Mike, I think Uncle Wayne gets an A+. He did it. He, he fell in love multiple times, I believe. He, you know, he got drunk and he got over being drunk. You know, he... He did everything he could do to live every ounce of his life. He, he, you know, most of his later years, he was sober from drinking. But that's neither here nor there. The point is, he did a lot of stuff, and he did it, and then he did other things. And he really did treat, and I don't know how to put this, but if you imagine life like a tree with apples on it, and you're not done with the harvest until every apple 
is not only off the tree, but you've consumed it. You've had it, maybe in the form of just an apple, maybe you turned it into cider, but every single apple on that tree was eaten. That was my Uncle Wayne. He did it, in my opinion. And right now, he's with my mom and my dad and my Uncle Jim and my cousin Mike and others. Others up there in heaven. That's what I believe, okay? That's not necessarily what you have to believe, but that is what I believe. And if you want to call that a coping mechanism, you can. But I gotta say, I'll take my beliefs over every motherfucker that thinks that the electricity being on is some kind of human right. It's not. In fact, there is no right to electricity. I hate to, I hate to break it to you. There is no right to water or food. It would suck, but it's true. You don't get it just because you showed up. There is no right to shelter. The fact that you need water, you need food, you need shelter, does not imply that there's a magical button you push and you get any of those things. The only freedom you have is to make choices in the brief time you're here, whether it's five years, five minutes, several decades, like my Uncle Wayne, in whatever amount of time you're here, because it's really very brief compared to eternity, Okay, you will have, if you're lucky, the freedom to make choices. Now, recently in the United States of whatever the fuck you want to call it, those freedoms have pretty much been burnt up, trampled on, turned into some type of pseudo racism and other types of crap. But the only thing I can tell you is while you're here, no matter how many guns are pointed at you, no matter how many walls they put around you, Every moment of every day, you are free. Even if you're a fucking pigeon in the Skinner cage, B.F. Skinner, the famous scientist, is torturing you, to, torturing the fuck out of you. You have a choice to push that button or to simply go into the corner of your cage and die. I've said this again, I'll, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. I really wish I knew the truth about all the animals that Skinner killed. Because I think a lot of them probably just committed suicide, or the animal equivalent of it. That is probably also true. The ones that stayed alive obeyed. They pushed the button, they pulled the lever, they still probably got their nad shocked out of them, but they figured one more bit of day is fine, that's all I want. I want one more inch of life. And then there were others who said, I cannot live if I'm not allowed to. Uncle Wayne was the kind of person who simply didn't want to just be here. He wanted to make choices. He wanted to be alive. He wanted to take his rifle and go hunting. He wanted to take his fishing, fishing rod and go fishing. He wanted to build stories for his mind. And even if the only connoisseur of his life was him, that was okay because it was his. It was his tree, his orchard, his apple. He did it quite well. A lot of people don't get it. staying on this topic a little bit, at least if only to make the point that um, nothing is, is given to you here when you show up. 
you might be lucky, okay? You might have been born rich, and if you were, God bless, you know? I hope you took whatever resources you had and did the best with them. I hope that you took that extra help and you tried to do something in the world, and if you didn't, that's okay too. It's your fucking life, okay? You might have been born dirt-ass poor. That's sad. A lot of people are quite poor. Poor people have been around forever. You might have been born as a result of violence. That happens. It's horrible, but it's true. You know, often violence against women leads to pregnancies. You might have been a, that might have been what happened to you. I don't know. However you got into this world, that's between you and God. But once you get here, the only thing the universe doesn't really give you, but you get when you arrive, is your ability to make choices. I guess my bitterness of the last few years is also why I I, I have, you know, mixed feelings with respect to my uncle dying. Um, it's not just that they came and took your freedoms, they did that, but so many people just didn't fucking care. They were more afraid of dying than they were willing to live. I mean, when you see a person running down the street, and I mean it, it's Seattle, it's 2020, it's July, it's 90 degrees, and some dumb motherfucker is jogging with two or three masks on. You say to yourself, that person, yeah, yeah, you could say they're afraid of dying, but in reality, they don't understand that they are actually alive. Uncle Wayne knew he was alive. Every moment he was here, he was aware that he was here. And I'm not saying he used every day to its best advantage. Guess what? None of us ever do. But like I said, what he wanted, what he needed, what he pursued in his life, his adventure, it happened. He did it. And I don't want to talk about the, well, did he become famous? Did he become super rich? Who the fuck cares about that dumb shit? Okay? That is not what's relevant. And if you think that's what I'm talking about, you're fucking crazy. Okay? If you think that at the end of your life, having a pile of money next to you is a sign of greatness, you do not understand what it means to be alive. You don't. Next topic. So I've been in a weird place and, um, you know, I think people you love dying kind of also changes your perspective for a bit, right? You get all serious about, you know, the where are you headed in life, Dan? Why don't you have a castle in this? I'll have a castle in the sky one day. <laughs> it's, it's the one that Jesus has for me.
so I've been in a weird place, um, and I'll talk about some of that later on, but I've been working on a project. It's pretty exciting. Um, the, the previous podcast to this one dealt with that project in great detail, so you can go ahead and listen to that or not. It's about three hours of crazy, right? Right, But um, I, I've been, uh, I shouldn't, I don't even want to talk. I've been eating chicken McNuggets. I, I've been, crap. I have been eating chicken McNuggets. And, um, and I don't know why, but for some reason I'm obsessed with this idea that you can get 20 of them. 20 of them for five bucks. Fuck. Maybe it's not true everywhere. Maybe it's just something about being in Utah. You can get 20 chicken McNuggets for five bucks. And I wonder to myself, how do they make those McNuggets so cheap and tasty? so tasty and cheap. And there are certain things you shouldn't ask questions about. Number one, no human being should eat anything called a McNugget, ever. The fact that I've eaten them tells you more about my state of mind than anything related to health consciousness. And I don't only eat McNuggets, but yeah, today I had a little bit of extra money, so I decided to get some chicken fucking McNuggets. And it was one of those days I was forced to ponder the fucking question. How do they make it possible, given all the inflationary behaviors going on, that you can get 20 of them for five fucking bucks? Seems like a good deal, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't it? It seems like a great fucking deal. But what if, you know, you know the vaccine they're giving people, I'm not going to take it, but some people have, you know. What if, They've gone vaccine crazy. I was listening to Coast to Coast AM and George Norrie had this weird woman on. She was talking about how there'll be vaccines for everything. How there'll be vaccines for hamburgers. They'll give you an injection. You'll grow the burger like a tumor on your arm. right yeah I, I was I was falling asleep a few nights ago listening to George Norrie and you know this woman oh god they're doing all kinds of cool things with bioengineering you know you don't have to like kill a chicken you can have chicken and I thought holy fuck she just she just released the riddle they're giving vaccinations to all kinds of chickens for the bird flu And you say to yourself, Dan, well, what the hell? Connect the dots here. Think about it, baby. What if they gave a vaccination to the fucking chickens? All the chickens. And and very soon, we'll find out when they run out of eggs. I mean, you know, regular eggs. What if they've given a fucking virus or vaccine to all these fucking chickens? And so now they they don't produce eggs. 
Not enough of them do. And the ones left that do are to make more chickens, right? Most of them produce a, a tasty chicken flesh covered thingy that if you pop it in the heater infrared, infrared oven for about five minutes, you see that crunchy outer layer, that's really, that used to be a shell. So you got chickens now, they're crapping McNuggets out of their, you know what. You've got chickens producing McNuggets instead of eggs. And it gets worse from there, really. Because maybe these things have a kind of shelf life and so you can't just have them crapping out McNuggets and freezing them. They don't taste right. So what if they've taken these these chickens and put them into some type of a bio matrix so they're kind of alive but not really living? And they're just sitting there in the back of that McDonald's you go to in some dark room. They got chickens back there. They don't really work like chickens no more. They got no legs. They got no eyes. They got no fucking wings, baby. But they do crap out McNuggets. If you feed them whatever slurry or compost or crap you can find, feed them broken glass and diesel fuel, they will crap out McNuggets. You see, I don't think, I don't, that doesn't feel great, but, um, you know, next topic, right? So, everyone's talking about the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. And before I continue, I'm just going to say this. I don't have one verified personal connection to anybody who can verify anything I've seen in the news about the Ukraine. I'm not saying it's not happening, but folks, like with the monkey herpes Rona, I reserve the right to question this entire fucking thing from the beginning. That's, that's really the main issue. The other issue is this. For about, yeah, eight years, I have been concerned with what the United States has been doing in the Ukraine. It is dangerous. It is stupid. It has zero to do with freedom. If one of you fucking motherfuckers wants to email me about freedom, I suggest you ask the following fucking question. What the fuck are United States forces doing in Syria today guarding oil fields? If you're going to talk about invading countries and stealing shit, my advice is to recognize the following. When the U.S. State Department accuses Russia of projection, they are also projecting. They are also ignoring the fact that they themselves are filled with the sin of war. So, I, I just right out of the box, I don't want to hear this, well, my God, Putin's so evil. You know what? I don't know if Putin is good or evil. I don't know. I do know that we've had presidents who, you know, like the elder Bush that died, thankfully, we've had presidents that ran the fucking CIA. And we've definitely had presidents that have done really shitty things in terms of fostering militarism and sending military forces to places where we have no fucking business being. We've done all that. So if the real concern is Russia's doing that, well, okay, you know, it's terrible. 
But what do you do? Do you think it would be made better if the United States invaded or sent forces there or created a no-fly zone? Do you think this would be improved if we started sending troops to the Ukraine? I don't think so. And as far as all the financial sanctions go, newsflash, the United States government is in collapse, okay? Whatever stupid little trick they pull out of their butt crack is mostly about keeping the U.S. dollar afloat another fucking day. And those days are numbered, okay? If you want to have optimism, this is the most optimistic fucking thing I can tell you. All of your paper assets will very soon be worthless. If you have any ability to control your financial future, you should do the following. You should try to convert your paper assets to something that's not paper. If that means starting a business, go start a business. If that means owning a farm, go buy a fucking farm. It's what Buffett's been doing for the last decade. You ever wonder why? Why Gates? Why Buffett? Why these fuckers will talk up going into the stock market, but what they're buying are hard assets. You ever wonder why? So I just want to point out before I continue that a lot of the nonsense you're seeing, including the news, is really about the United States and its empire in collapse. And you know something, folks? If you believe in a free country, that should be good news to you because the empire hasn't just been strangling the world. The empire has been strangling your fucking freedom. Have you been awake for the last fucking couple years? What kind of fucking free country goes through the fucking gaslight nightmare we've been going through? And great news, apparently now that the COVID bullshit's wearing off, they want you to be afraid of Russia and Putin. Okay. What do you want to do, Mr. and Mrs. America? I can tell you that any conflict in that part of the world without good logistical support is doomed to failure. That's number one. Number two, we don't really know what the Russians can or can't do. We've not really tangled with them, the United States and the Russians directly. Yeah, 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 there was a Cold War, but during the Cold War, believe it or not, the Chinese and the Russians had more experience with ground combat than we ever did directly, okay? Yeah, the Soviets helped out the North Vietnamese, but we fought Vietnamese. We weren't fighting Russians every day. So we've never actually had to fight the Russians. And what's more important, we've never had to actually fight the Russians on their own turf, okay? That's, that's just where I'm coming from. As far as the Ukrainians go... I think the Ukrainians are probably deeply abused people from both the Soviet period and the period that followed the collapse of the Soviet Union. And I feel sorry for them that they have really worthless leadership that led them down this path. When we began monkeying in the Ukraine eight, nine, ten years ago, during the Obama administration, at the time, in 2014, specifically, I tried to form a kind of protest. I said, listen, we need to stop this immediately. It's, it's really not our business going on, what's going on there. And as far as the Crimea was concerned, I had a few signs that point out the simple fucking fact that the Crimea was more Russian than Texas or California or fucking Puerto Rico or American. So if you're going to be like, oh my God, they, they took the Crimea. No, the Crimea has been a warm water Russian port for several fucking hundred years. Okay? But nobody cared. They listened to Obama's bullshit and they didn't care. 
Chickens come home to roost. That still doesn't tell us what's going on there, does it? Okay? It really doesn't. And and I, I am sorry to say that we're at the point in this kaleidoscope of bullshit that you probably won't know the real deal here ever, ever. And if you do know the real deal, it'll be too fucking late. What I am certain of is we are looking at the death throes of a worldwide petrodollar empire and it is in collapse. And in the process, there are crazy motherfuckers that think they're going to save their asses by starting a fucking war in Europe. And maybe some of these dumbasses actually think a little nuclear war would be helpful. I can tell you that all of the above is insane. I don't have CNN, I don't have Fox News, and I sure as shit don't listen to NPR. So I have no idea what they're telling you. I can only fucking imagine what I remember after 9-11. They're feeding your heads with all kinds of atrocities and all kinds of pictures of people fighting back. You do not know what is going on there. Neither do I. You don't know if the Russians are doing well or badly. You don't know how many people are being killed. But here's one thing you can be certain of. There are no good people in wars, and they only harm. They harm families, they harm children, they definitely harm the environment. If you give a fuck about the environment, what you should want is for this war to turn off. That's what you should want. Not to escalate it, not to take out your fucking ball sack and prove you're a real man. Let's go drop a bomb on somebody. What you should want is it to be over. That's it. But a lot of you motherfuckers are listening to your CNN and your Fox News and your conservative pundit or your liberal pundit and you're seeing them sitting together saying, well, one thing we can all agree upon is that what? What can we agree upon? What purpose would United States forces serve in that part of the world at this point? Do you want a war with Russia? Do you know what happens when that war goes sideways? Do you understand what could potentially happen? And I'm not just talking about nuclear holocaust. Okay, that could happen, yeah. But what's just as likely is that this event spurs on the collapse even further. It really is, way more likely. You see, I think a lot of folks believe that the United States government is a 300-foot-tall alien with superpowers. When in reality, it's a big inflatable giant and the hot air is just pouring out of it. That's the reality. I think that scares people more. And I've said that before, I'll say it again. I think one of the reasons why so many bootlickers lick boots the last couple years is because what scares them shitless is what is inevitable. It is inevitable, it always happens, it always will happen. Every government in history has collapsed. If you think that that's not true, then please open a fucking book. Every empire in history has failed. If you don't think that's true, read a fucking book. Everything a human being will build in this life, no matter how brilliant they are, no matter how wonderful they are, no matter how great they are or good they are, everything you build will crumble. Everyone you know will die. There is nothing that we leave here that lasts forever. That doesn't mean that life isn't worth living. Actually, motherfucker, it literally means the opposite. It means every fucking moment is precious. Every single moment of it. 
That brand new car, that brand new car you bought, there is no moment like the first time you bought that car. Every moment after, it's not going to be the same. It isn't. When you fall in love, love is great. And there are those moments at first that are amazing. Every one of those moments is precious and they will never, ever happen again. Even if you stay in love with the same person your whole life, it will never be like it was before. Every single moment of your life is precious. That doesn't mean you treat it like it's precious. It doesn't mean I do either, but it is. And one of the reasons it's precious is nothing lasts. Nothing. Nothing here on earth lasts, okay? If you're a Christian and you don't understand that we're not in the Millennium Kingdom and we're not in Eden, we're in the in-between world, if you don't get that, let me say it again, Mr. and Mrs. Christian. There is nothing in a fallen world that lasts. Nothing. There is eternal life with Christ, but there is nothing eternal about this physical shit. Nothing. I'm sorry. I know that this reminds you that beginning conversation about the wall socket. And the electricity, we expect to always be there. I know. It hurts, doesn't it? A lot of motherfuckers out there lick boots because they're too scared to confront that simple fact. As far as the Ukraine goes, I have a couple links in the notes. Um, I don't really want to spend a ton of time on it. I think you can go ahead and look at the notes and you can spend as much fucking time on it as you want to spend. It is up to you. I don't. I have no dog in that fucking hunt. Next topic. almost midnight it's almost midnight here it'll be february the 28th in about a minute can you believe it baby so i guess i've been talking for almost an hour right maybe i don't know let's double check here baby yep almost an hour so i did a couple um videos with my business partner and friend and if you go to rad engineering.tech that's radengineering.tech some of those videos are posted but in one of the videos we talked about a, a statement an official statement from the FCC it, it reminds us it reminds amateur and personal radio users not to use radios in crimes you know I had friends um, Friends I haven't heard from in years, but I had friends who went to Iraq and Afghanistan to fight the terrorists. And they had stories about some kid with a cell phone they bought for 10 bucks. You know, it gets subsidized. Some smartphone they bought for a few bucks, it gets subsidized. And those smartphones and those cell phones were being used to set off fucking explosives. 
Now, of course, I don't know if the FCC puts a statement on every phone you buy that that phone can, in fact, be used to commit crime. They don't, but they should, right? Yeah, I have a link in the notes to the statement that the FCC tells us to, to use an amateur radio for crimes, it's bad. But my God, FCC, I mean, listen, you know, <laughs> I think it's absurd to tell criminals what tools they will and won't use. The FCC is reminding us of the dumbness, the stupidity of government. It's a lot like the, well, if you ban guns, there'll be no guns, right? If you ban drugs, there'll be no drugs. If you ban something, it'll disappear. You know what, folks? Human beings are pretty fucking clever. If they want it, they will get it. If they want to get drunk, you can ban alcohol in every fucking state. They will get drunk. If they want to get a gun, you can ban guns, but they'll get one. And in a few years, the black market will deliver awesome guns, probably rail guns. So please, by all means, government ban guns. And so the FCC, when it says, oh my God, don't use your radios, your amateur radios for crimes, it's absurd on many levels, okay? The, the contemporary cell phone, mobile phones are used for crimes every fucking day. And if a person has any common sense, they use burners, you know, and they use encryption. But yeah, if you're using burner phones and encryption, then guess what? You're using a tool that can be used to commit crime every fucking day, all right? I don't see any fucking FCC statement about that, though. That's as much time as I want to spend on that stupid FCC shit. I got to say, a lot of people say things like, well, Dan, how can you use CB radios for digital? How can you not? Okay, you get fed a lot of crap. Here's the deal. I have a friend who talks on a CB radio regularly to people thousands of miles away. In some cases, half a world away with a fucking CB radio. So if you're saying things like, well, you can't do this and you can't do that, why don't you figure out for yourself? There is an entire likelihood that the people who are telling you you can't do something are telling you this not because it's impossible, but because they don't want you to. Just think on the reasons. I know CNN and Fox News will tell you what you think is true, and maybe you just want to stop, stop there, and that's fine. And, and again, you know, the FCC says don't use your radios for crimes. I would say, you know, let's just talk about violence against other people. Let's not do that, period. And, and the last people to take advice from with respect to violence is the fucking government. So if you're really opposed to violence, then gee whiz, man. You know, physician heal thy fucking self, right? Next topic is the business I'm working on. I am involved in a business with a friend of mine, a good friend of mine. Uh, his name is Justin, and we are starting an engineering company. And our first set of products and services 
is related to telecommunications, specifically the use of amateur radios and I should say citizen band radios or CBs for digital communication. Another way of putting it is we want to create a kind of homebrew internet that people can participate in and you don't have to be connected to the actual internet. As far as where we're at, we've been doing testing in the mountains off and on and one of our recent tests was quite good. We have a video of that at Rad Technology radengineering.tech, excuse me, at radengineering.tech. Um, we're working on selling what we call homebrew stations right now. This is really, if you don't have any equipment, this is a combo of a Raspberry Pi computer, the small, uh, small profile monitor and keyboard for low power consumption, an appropriate CB radio that connectors the software, the antenna kit, the whole kit and caboodle, we're selling these for about $1,600. And so you know, a fair portion of that is what it costs to get the equipment right now. And if you don't wanna buy the equipment, we are in fact working with people and we're gonna do more instructional videos on how to set this up for yourself. Um, there's a piece of software called JS8 and we're using that software right now because we don't have a better option. But our plan in our roadmap, because it's an open source project, is to take JS8, deconstruct it, and build it out into basically Python libraries so that people can just use Python to do a lot of different things with JS8 versus just using their user interface and their poorly documented, it's poorly documented API. It has an API. It has an API with a whole TCP IP thing going on, but it's not, it's not well documented. In fact, over the next few weeks, probably most of the documentation that exists for that API is going to be produced by yours truly. So that tells you how documented it is right now. But the business is going well. We're getting lots of you know questions. Um, on April the 22nd and 23rd, we're going to be setting up a table in Sandy, Utah, which is, I think, not far from Provo. There is a expo, a preppers expo there, and you know there'll be more information on this to come in in, in the weeks to come. But basically, we're going to do we're going to teach a class, and we are going to set up a table, and do some demonstrations. Um, when the software is up and running, and you're using it, you're going to be able to chat and message with people digitally over CB radio. And that may not sound exciting, but that's going to work uh, even if a lot of other things fail. And as long as you have a car battery or as long as you have your own source of electricity, you could maintain digital communications with other people uh, in very difficult circumstances. Another thing about the JSA and this particular technology is it doesn't step on uh, the vocal um, the voice over radio. It doesn't step on it. It occupies very narrow parts of the bandwidth and it does so efficiently. So just want to give you guys an update. I think it's going pretty well. I'm pretty excited. Um, if you're looking for pornography and immersive gaming, this is not going to be a system for you. But if what you want is to be able to communicate to people at a reasonable speed, and right now we're looking at something that looks like a tweet or two every 10 minutes, which again, you know, oh my God, I got to do a tweet every 60 seconds. Well, maybe you don't. But if you do, we're not, we're not there yet. But we're looking at ways to expand the bandwidth further and techniques for using it more efficiently. So ex I, I would expect a lot of updates in the coming weeks on that. One of the areas we're looking at is, is more advanced encoding. But in order to do this, 
We'll have to do things like share dictionaries and whatnot between systems, all of which is doable. But again, a lot of work to do. We're, we're still kind of in that beta phase, but if you want us to build you a terminal, we can do it right now. It isn't the ideal rad terminal. We, we want to build an all-in-one system and we want to do it before Christmas, you know, 2022. I know that's pretty freaking ambitious, but we believe if we get the money, we can pull it off. We can deploy our first rad terminal that you would be an all-in-one system, um, you know, not separate components, but an all-in-one system. Yeah, by Christmas. That's pretty ambitious. That's our goal right now. Anyways, if you have more questions about radengineering.tech or if you're interested in our products, which means these uh, rad terminal homebrew stations, drop me an email, um, drop us an email at vpo at radengineering.tech. That is vpo, the, the letters V, letter P, the letter O, vpo at radengineering.tech. And of course, you can always email me, but that's the email we're using for product inquiries and for other inquiries right now. So if you have questions about the company we're forming, um, about investing, we can use investors right now. And we really do believe that we have products that will make the investment worthwhile. We, we truly believe we've got that going for us. So if you're out there and you feel like you have the resources to invest, um, you know, again, VPO at radengineering.tech. Next topic, because it's late and I'm fried and now it's February the 28th. Can you believe it? So I've talked a lot about crypto and today I saw one of those stories where it's like, well, we got to crack down on crypto because the Russians might use it to blah, blah, blah. But what the story, you know, it's funny. If you've never seen the John Carpenter film, They Live, um, it's a great film. But there's that moment where Rowdy Roddy Piper puts on the glasses and he can see things um, that are actually there. Not the, not the illusion, not the, the bullshit, but he sees the truth. He sees what's really written on magazines and what's really happening in the sky. Um, There was an article on Zero Hedge today that was basically, well, the European ECB, blah, 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 people want to crack down on crypto because the Russians might use it. But I actually put on the glasses like Rowdy Roddy Piper. And what it really read was, well, crypto's imploding. We got to keep it alive. Oh, here's a way. Tie, you know, make it seem like it can escape the system. Make it seem like it's your only way to survive what's coming. You know, have all kinds of consternation porn going on with the central banks. And then that usually buys Bitcoin about five or 10,000 bucks per coin. A little bit of consternation, a little bit of fear mongering, some story about how the only way you can survive. Well, here's the thing. I read an article recently and it was titled The Bitcoin Widow. And it had to do with this woman who's married to this dude who had some type of crypto scam. I don't really want to retell the whole story because it's just... <sighs> and what's funny is that implied in the story of the Bitcoin widow, and again, the link is in the notes if you want to read it, implied in that story is someone ought to do something. Somebody should regulate this so it never happens again. That's the solution. Let's, let's regulate it. And every time I hear that, I think to myself, 
If you were to describe what crypto has been for the last decade, it has been the ultimate manifestation of broken windows. You know how Bastiat talks about broken windows and basically explains that, you know, even though somebody might get some work from a broken window, yeah, the guy that makes the glass, that's, that's a job, right? That might be the case, but the loss is great, and the loss is greater than that. And so the real outcome isn't wealth. It's the destruction of wealth. That's the real outcome. The baker's window is a window that has to be repaired, which means the baker has to spend money on it. Maybe that baker was going to buy a new oven. Maybe that baker was going to improve a supplier relationship to get better flour. But instead, the baker had to take the fucking money to pay for a window that some piece of shit broke. I read this article a few weeks ago where they're talking about, oh my God, these crypto heroes found my lost Bitcoin. And I'm thinking to myself, broken windows, right? I mean, why would that be a thing to, to find your lost shit? And why would I be excited about how that's really, really cool? Why do I even want to have you create regulation, especially for something that everyone was saying, oh, it'll be unregulated, Dan, and you'll be free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look at your crypto, I see a lot of broken fucking windows. I see a lot of money spent on bad technology, you know, technology that was going to go nowhere. A lot of money spent on energy being used up, intellectual energy being used up. I see a ton of broken windows. I don't see very much else, really. Oh, but Dan, you don't see the future. You know what I see? I see a forever ledger that brags about being a forever ledger. That's weird. I mean, if you're in the freedom community and you're out there saying we all need a forever ledger so the IRS can look at whatever I spent money on in 190 blimp talk, you're weird. I don't think that's any of your fucking business. And I certainly don't want to use a currency, any kind of currency or money or whatever fucking token or whatever the fuck you want to call it. I don't want to use your shit if my shit is going to stay in your fucking ledger forever. I don't care if Visa has my transactions. I don't care if somebody else has my transactions. But what I don't want is for them just to be out there forever in a giant public ledger, okay? Because with respect to Visa and all those guys, oh, how can I say this? I use mainly cash now. So cash, I leave at the fucking store. I don't use a cash card or one of those savings cards. I just pay with cash. Tell me how that's fucking tracking me. It's not. But with the forever ledger, oh boy, that's great, right? Fucking Bitcoin widow. You know, I'll tell you this much. You can get into crypto right now if you want to, because it is your fucking life. That's it. Okay? If the way you make it through another fucking day is to believe all this shit will just keep going like it's been going, then keep it up. It's your fucking life, baby. It's not mine. Wasn't my, you know, it's not my cousins who's dead. It's not my Uncle Wayne's who's dead. It's not mine. It's not anyone else's. It's your fucking life. If you want to spend it all day mining crypto, you go ahead and do it. But I don't have to. And if you're a freedom person and you're like, well, Dan, you do have to. No, 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 no. You don't understand the word freedom, buddy. You really don't. But the technology freed you. No. No, it, it could have. Yeah, that's the thing. There were choices that were made decades ago, decades before I was born. And, and if different choices had been made, the technology would have freed us. But instead, the technology has been a, become a burden. 
It's become a way to imprison people. It's been manipulative. Ultimately, the technology in America today is designed to keep you in fucking line, okay? If they want you angry about the Russians, guess what? Within 20 fucking minutes, they will make you angry about the Russians. They don't really give a shit what your deep thoughts on the topic are. They just want you fucking pissed off. Yeah. Next topic. Because this is getting long in the tooth, baby. Oh, boy. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Kindness is an art form. That is very true. People, one thing people do a lot of these days is that they mistake kindness for communism. And that's pretty fucking stupid. Pretty horrible, actually. Because there is a huge difference between helping someone and being forced to help someone. If you don't know the difference, then maybe, yeah, maybe you should get into crypto, baby. But there's a big difference between choosing to help someone and then having somebody point a gun at you, take the wallet out of your fucking pocket, take money out, and then give it to somebody else. That is not the same thing. One is an act of thievery. The other, just deciding to volunteer time, deciding to help a homeless person on your own, that's an act of kindness. And doing kindness well is hard. It's hard. It's hard to know the people. It, you can't really know who to help. You know, one of the things you get, I think, from a Christian faith that involves reading the Bible is a sense that even though you are going to be making these choices that impact people's lives, you should not be obsessed with, well, if I give this person money, will they use it right? Okay? You don't know. Some people you help will take the resources you give them and they will do good things with them. And some people will take those resources and they will bury them in the ground. And some people you meet will take those resources and they'll go do hookers and cocaine. You know, they'll fly in a plane. They'll go completely insane. Some people will take whatever resources you give them and they will harm people. They will hurt people. You can't know for certain what will happen when you help someone. And so when I say kindness is an art form, it's definitely not a science, um, that's what I mean. I have tried to be kind in my life, and at times it works. And at other times, I think it's, it was folly. I have tried to have an open heart at points in my life. And if you listen to my podcast and I ever talk about the goat king, who I just won't really name, but if he ever does come back in my life, you'll know everything about him. But if I talk about the Goat King in 2016, you'll know that sometimes that optimism and that fucking trust and even that kindness goes awry. And sometimes you're at a point in your life where you're so vulnerable that just about every crooked fucking freak will come out of the woodwork to find out how can I take advantage of you. Kindness is an art form. Dr. Freckles is right. I was going to talk about the knife chair, you know, okay, so, you know how, you know how they come up with all kinds of dumb movies, movies you'd never want to see again because they were so stupid, this might be a dumb movie, but I was thinking, what about a horror movie, this is a horror movie, okay, it's called Knife Chair, and it's about a murderer who does something really despicable, this, this murderer sticks a sharp knife 
or a knitting needle or some type of pen, you know, pin like a, like a, you know, like a fucking, <laughs> you know, poster pin or whatever, thumbtack. They, pray, they place a thumbtack or a, a shard of glass pointed up or some type of a knife in people's chairs. Because a lot of people, you know, and I do this too, you'll just get back to your chair and you'll sit down. And then maybe you'll have the thought a few seconds later, well, I'm sure glad I didn't leave a knife in that chair. Yes, knife chair is the is a cinematic story of a murderer that kills people by placing sharp objects in their chairs when they're up getting a cup of coffee. Or they're up going to the bathroom or they went to the frickin' ladies' room to masturbate, right? And when they get back to their chair after lunch because they're all filled with glumbo food and they, they feel heavy and bloated, they don't care to look in their chair... They don't care to see if there's a knife. And that's why the knife chair man gets another victim. It's sad. They don't look in the chair. And that is why their families will despair. <laughs> because of the knife chair. The knife chair is a story of murder. Murder because a person, you know, left their chair, didn't look when they got back. <laughs> it's kind of horrible when you think about it. It's one of those examples of things we just take for granted. We take for granted the idea that no one's going to leave a deadly device in your chair when you get up to go to the bathroom or get a cup of coffee or maybe whatever. But why do we make that assumption? It seems like maybe one of the most devious ways to take somebody out at this point is just leave a fucking knife in their chair, you know? Yeah, some people will see the knife. Maybe a coworker will point it out. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Or maybe it was left by a coworker. But what if it's just some dude, you know? you know, watching you and waiting for you to get up and go to the bathroom and all they do is take that nail, that device and put it there on that chair when you're gone. What if nobody cares? What if nobody cares that somebody put a knife on your chair? What if people look at it and they're not going to warn you? They just want to see what you do. I know. Those are the times we live in. Next topic. Here's a branding strategy for pregnancy tests. Better late than never. That's it. Yeah, I'm skipping over some of these topics because 
you can look at them. I don't know what I, I don't really care what I was thinking about at the time. Um, you know, here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. The enemy is not that smart and the time is nigh. What does that mean? Hmm. Well, there have been many variations on this. It's kind of like that old Patton quote, I'd rather have a good plan now than a perfect plan later. A lot of folks, especially in the freedom movement, will get suckered by the superpower complex of the deep state. They go to a movie, they see all the advertisements for Navy SEALs and for Rangers, and they assume that everybody in the military is a Navy SEAL or a Ranger. And what's as bad is they assume that because somebody's a Navy SEAL or a Ranger or a Green Beret, they assume that that person's competent and dangerous and capable, and even further assume that that person is capable right now. Like a lot of people, are tough as fuck until after a few rotations. And then after a few rotations, they're strung out on crystal meth. So there are a lot of assumptions being made right now about the strength and the composition of the military of the United States, but also the federal government. You know, a lot of people are way overestimating what the United States government is capable of doing at this point, in my opinion. You know, I don't know for certain and I'm going to switch topics a little bit here. I don't know for certain what's going on in China. I, I know we're being lied to. And I know all these dumb logistics stories are just getting dumber and dumber and dumber every fucking day. I'm pretty certain the trucker bullshit is tied up in another type of psyop. I know we're being told excuses for all the reasons why things will get more expensive and why they can't unload containers. But it, I am pretty certain it's all bullshit. And I'm pretty certain the shit coming out of China isn't true. I don't know the truth for certain, but I, I'm pretty certain what we're being told is bullshit. Okay? So the question I've been having a few weeks now is what the fuck is going on in China? Because if you go back to 2019, it looked like they were pretty close to civil war. And if you're saying, well, how could that happen in China? Uh, in the last couple hundred years, China, as we call it in the West, has spent more than half of its time in civil war. The last civil war in China happened, it was called... No, during the 1960s and 70s, there was a period of time in China where there was a lot of instability and there was a lot of chaos. And Mao Zedong spent much of that time in a bunker because if he was on the surface, um, he might very well have been killed. So when people say things like China is stable or will be stable, listen, our government has used China... Um, and again, the period of time I'm talking about was the Cultural Revolution. But during the Cultural Revolution, which happened roughly the time when I was a, a, a toddler, and it ended when I was still a boy, um, the Cultural Revolution was an incredible period of instability in China. 
But beyond that, we don't really know much about what's going on in China right now. Um, I think it's just as likely that it's not the COVID, it's not the Rona, it's not the monkey herpes. I think China's in a state of civil war. And I think our own government basically is conspiring to hide that fact. If you tune into to the monkey herpes channels like CNN and Fox News, they'll tell you that the Chinese are doing this and that to fight the monkey herpes. I think it's about as real as the stories about logistics, which means not very real at all. But if I were to ask myself, given the situation in China the last couple hundred years, given the nature of the Chinese Communist Party and how extraordinarily, uh, you know, ahistorical, and anachronistic and completely out of place it is. It doesn't fit. There is not a history of what the Chinese communists have been doing in the history of China, in the history of imperial China, that history does not exist. So the fact is they are the exception to the rule. They're not the rule. And I think that that's what's going on. I'm saying that because a lot of people, especially the CIA and a lot of these news sources, they want to make China out to be some super powerful dark force of ultimate evil or something, or that the Chinese communists have solved the problems of whatever. In reality, I think the Chinese government's going through the same problems as our own government. And, and in fact, for very similar and related reasons. Since I was a kid, and definitely in the last 30 years, the United States economy has dumped inflation on the People's Republic of China. It's, it's that simple. And that inflation dump is probably over. It's over. It's over for the Chicoms. No matter how much they want, might want to keep it going, they're literally wanting to do two things that are at odds with each other. They want to have their cake and eat it too, but they can't. They can't be an inflation dump and at the same time raise their standards of living. They can't really do that. That doesn't work that way. And it's not working that way. Despite all the propaganda and crap you're hearing, it's not. I think our own government needs you to believe. This is what's so crooked. They need you to believe the Chinese government is in control. But everything I've seen out of China looks like they've lost control. So when you're looking at these governments, whether it's Chinese government or the Russian government or the United States government, don't, don't be a dummy. Okay, They're not superheroes. They're not capable of doing unbelievably magical things. They are filled with a lot of crooks and parasites. And as far as the military goes, <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta say, you know, they probably don't train as much with their weapons as you might think. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they're keeping ammo from a lot of troops right now just because they're scared shitless what troops would do with the ammo. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they're, if they're locking down training like that. Because I think that this government realizes what I realize, that it's over, okay? All this Ukraine bullshit, monkey herpes bullshit, the never-ending Trump trauma drama, it is over. They need people to stay at their posts. They need a lot of elite people to believe in the reset, but it is over. And there are mayors and governors, there are colonels and generals, there are people who better watch their six pretty soon because the people that protect them are done with it. It's over, okay? The money they're using will still buy stuff. That is true. The day's coming when that's not true and their entire 
monstrosity of bullshit is based on printed money. What do you think happens when those dollars are worthless? It is over. And they can tell you they've got Navy SEALs and satellites and tanks. They can tell you that they can spy on you all the time. But the reality is they're a bunch of incompetent freaks and they are done. Just like this podcast. It's over, baby. I, I think that, you know, it's possible. And, 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 and this is where I would leave the whole Ukraine bullshit. It's possible that our empire goes down one of the crookedest roads you can when empires collapse. And the, the crookedest way, the worst way for an empire to collapse is to start a major war. But that does happen. Okay, let's just have that honest conversation. When empires collapse, wars often result for lots of different reasons. You can get into all kinds of like, you know, Thucydides bullshit, the Thucydides trap. Fuck you, dude. Whatever kind of, you know, Doritos for the brain you want to apply. But the simple fact is, sometimes when empires fall apart, they create chaos. They do. Okay, empires are bad things, and when bad things fall apart, they sometimes, you know, create smaller versions of themselves. That also happens. And so it is possible that as the United States petrodollar empire collapses, that some dumb motherfucker that has power has convinced somebody, well, you know what, the Rona, monkey herpes, race war, trauma, drama, never-ending Trump expose isn't working, let's try Plan 9 from outer space, which says, oh, yeah, war with Russia. There, there could be people with authority in our government who thinks this is a good fucking idea. And if, in fact, they still have the power to exercise, you know, some authority to enforce their ideas, then we could be kind of fucked. I mean, again, I don't know the full truth. A couple years ago... And I've said this before, but I'll say it again in ending. A couple years ago, when Trump was still president, whatever the hell that means, there was an article about how the, the Trump administration was moving to these smaller nukes, these small nukes, these 5 to 10 kiloton nukes. It was a decision that we would outfit all of our ships, our nuclear submarines, with, this, with these smaller nuclear weapons. And I thought it was interesting. Because if you don't know anything about thermonuclear weapons, I'll, I'll let you in a little secret. Every hydrogen bomb, every thermonuclear weapon contains a small plutonium device. It's called an initiator. And usually those are between 5 and 10 kilotons. Which means that every hydrogen bomb is a two-stage nuclear weapon. The first stage is a stage where the fission device goes off superheats the tritium, the tritium causes a fusion reaction, you get your hydrogen bomb, which is way bigger than the 5 or 10 kilotons. With that little process, that two-stage process, you take a 5 kiloton bomb and you can turn it into a 1 megaton bomb, 1 million tons of TNT. But here's the problem. You have to replace the tritium every, I think it's every 10 to 15 years. Every single thermonuclear weapon. Fission devices are different. The half-life for plutonium, I think, is around a quarter of a million years. So a plutonium weapon, plutonium weapon, will stay pretty fresh for a century or two, 
before you'd have to ask yourself, you know, do I need to replace it? You could probably keep a plutonium weapon pretty safe for a couple hundred years. But again, when it comes to the hydrogen bombs, the big ones, the tritium has a shorter half-life. And within about, yeah, 10 years, 15 years, you have to take the nuclear weapon off the missile. You have to send it to a facility. I think there's one in Texas. They take it apart. They replace the tritium. And you're saying, well, Dan, why are you going off on this? I'll explain why. It was interesting to me that this article said, well, you know, we're, we're, repl we're replacing our old weapons with these smaller weapons. But what if the truth is, and this is the thing, what if the real truth is they can't replace the tritium any longer, you know? Does that mean that we have no nukes? No, we still have nukes. It's that most of them now would be a little less powerful than the nukes we dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That, that would be the case, that our entire nuclear arsenal would be at a, at a level that it hasn't been in decades. And if that's the case, then it's possible that both the Russians and the Chinese are aware of this. You know, I don't really believe in government. But I certainly don't expect them to do the right thing. You know, even if you're even if you're someone who believes, you should always ask the question, what are they doing? You shouldn't just assume because, oh, we're doing the right thing. We're replacing our nukes with these smaller nukes on purpose. What if the Trump thing was just an announcement of what, it, what would be called fait accompli, which is it was going to happen. We cannot replace the tritium. Ergo, every single nuke in the U.S. arsenal where the tritium cannot be replaced has just lost 90-some percent of its ability to destroy. And I, for one, you know, I that's good. I don't really want to see us blowing the world up. But if one of you out there is saying to yourself, well, well, Dan, if we had a nuclear war, this would happen and this would happen, we don't really know what would happen. We don't even know how much of our nuclear arsenal can be depended upon to be used. We don't. We don't know who currently in the chain of command is really obeying orders. I have no doubt there are people within the United States military right now doing what I would call soft disobedience. Because a lot of the crooked people that are giving them orders don't really want to do it officially. So it'll be things like, hey buddy, you know, what do you think about doing A, B, and C? And my guess is a lot of colonels and a lot of generals are looking at their watches and saying, eh, you know, let's talk about that next week. Or put it in writing. If, in fact, the United States government is uh, going down the crooked road of tipping the table over as, as its own power wanes, if that's the choice they're making, it would not be uncommon. So if your question right now is, could this lead to a war between the United States and Russia, the simple answer is, yeah, it could. It could. Not that I think any of it has to happen, and not that I think most people really want it to happen, because you haven't really been explained what's going to happen. If it's a nuclear war, a lot of people are just going to die. And then a lot of people are going to be left with wreckage and cancer and bad food and diminished lifestyles. And it doesn't really matter if it's a little nuclear war or a big one. At this point in human history, I think most of the governments are over. I mean, a lot of people will, <laughs> I, I know people will be slaves up to a point, but like I said, one of the mysteries of science is how many fucking pigeons, rats, and animals that B.F. Skinner 
you know, experimented upon? How many have just laid in the cage and died? We don't know. You answer that question, and then you're going to find out what happens the day after the nuclear war. My answer is a lot of people who are in positions of power right now are going to find themselves hunted down. Yeah, that's not going to be pretty. I wouldn't want to be a mayor or a governor, or a senator the day after a nuclear war. I, I don't think I'd want to go before anybody and say, look out for me. Who are you going to trust? Your bodyguard, Mr. and Mrs. Senator? Oh, they had family in Philly, and now Philly is radioactive dust. Well, gee whiz, I wonder what the fuck they're going to do to you. All their family, their little baby they just had. Your Secret Service agent just had a baby in Philly and Philly gets wiped out or Chicago gets wiped out. Do you really think that agent isn't going to blow your fucking brains out? I, I think there's odds on that, buddy. Because you made promises, Senator, Mr. President, Mr. Congressperson. You made promises of protection and security. In the last couple of years, you told people to do wretchedly stupid, very dangerous, psychologically damaging bullshit. You push people to their limit. And now you're going to have a little nuclear war on the way out. I would not want to be you. There is no place you can hide. There is no one who's going to give you safe harbor. I don't know. Maybe there are some crooked Satanists or pedophiles who will open up their cave for you. But those people will be on the run. So I don't think so. No one is going to protect you. If you allow this to happen, you better make sure that every fucking person is dead. Because someone will kill you. And if every person is dead, then either there's a God or not. But if the, every person is dead and there's a God, God will definitely have that conversation with you. I don't think God would allow it. I don't think the Lord in heaven would allow a nuclear war. But if it happened and you had anything to do with it, if you were just a pundit people saw on TV and you talked about how we got to send troops into the Ukraine you better watch your fucking six. Because there's a big difference between video games and reality. And if a lot of Americans start dying because of this wretchedly stupid power politics bullshit, huh, I don't know what I would believe. You need to ask yourself, what happened to all the pigeons, all the rats, all the creatures that Mr. Skinner experimented on? Do you have the other book, the other laboratory notebook? That'll give you the number. The real number, the real curse, the real worry. You sure you can trust the people that work for you, Mr. and Mrs. Congressman, Senator, and President? Are you sure that there's not someone that you will end up harming psychologically, or you already have? I look at what our government has done in the last couple years, and the only answer I can come up with, if you want to fight for freedom, there's a battle right here. You don't have to go to Kiev. You don't have to go to Ukraine. There is a battle for human liberty in the United States of America today. If you actually gave a shit, there is. There are things you can stand up for. There are things you can be willing to defend. You don't have to go all the way around the world to do it. You can do it right here at home. And if you're in a position of power and you decide that a nuclear war is a good thing, your soul is damned. You might be a sociopathic piece of shit, so maybe you don't care. 
If you're a family member of one of these fuckers and you might have a soul, a daughter, a husband, a whatever, you're damned. That person damns you. If this government decides to step into this fucking conflict, to throw its weight around at this point in American history, there are many people in our government who are damned. They are cursed. Every cancer, every baby born with a birth defect, every fucking ecosystem that will take 10 million years to come back damns you. And maybe I'll be dead, but I can promise you there are a lot of people like me who will remember your face. They will remember your face from the TV set, from the fucking magazine. They will remember who you are, and you are damned. Does that help give you perspective on what I think of the thing happening in the Ukraine. I don't know what's going on there for sure. Neither do you. But the United States getting involved will not improve it. And, and if, if the plan is, because the monkey herpes didn't do it for them, if the plan is to somehow keep control by triggering global conflict, I can only say that, yeah, they're fucking sociopaths. They're crazy. Okay, that's not a plan. I've compared it to remodeling your home with dynamite. That's what they're doing. end this crazy podcast because it went on this is this has been going on too long right but i will leave it with this you know you can live whatever kind of life you want to and that and that includes in the grace of god or not that is a choice you can show up and you can help people or you can help yourself you can die young because you did a lot of cocaine and hookers you can live to be very old and surrounded by pain and misery. This life doesn't guarantee anything for you. It doesn't guarantee anything for me. But there is one thing that is true about this life that I think you can hold on to, even if you're an atheist. You were born free. No government gives you your freedom. No document hands it to you. You were born free. Any government that tells you that they control your freedom is a liar. And you have a right to protect yourself. If there is an institution or a government that is bent on killing you or your family, you have a right to defend yourself and your family. Okay? You can choose not to. You can decide to obey and to die. Guess what? The question of death was never a question. We all die. But you don't have to. You could choose to stand up and say no. Sure. They may not remember you, just like we don't remember all the pigeons and rats Skinner killed because they just went into the corners of their fucking cages and died. We don't know. That wouldn't make for good science, would it? 
But I'm telling you, no matter who knows, and if you're a Christian, the Lord does know, this is your life. These are your choices. And you do not have to simply be a victim. You can go into this life thinking that you're owed everything, or you can go into this life seeking after all that there is. It is, a, it is two different perspectives. One perspective says, what have you done for me lately? The other perspective says, what is out there to discover? A lot of technology companies are, are basically hand-in-your-pocket companies. Companies that live off the tit of the United States government. The company I'm forming with my, my friend and business partner, we could succeed, we could fail. But one thing's for certain, we're not going to build weapons to blow people up. We're not going to seek after, whore after the money of the United States government. We're not going to be like every other fucking company out there wanting to make sure that we are doing exactly what the government thinks we should be doing. What we care about are human values. What we care about is human dignity and creativity. What we want to build are tools that people could use. We want to build tools that people could use and, and tools that don't use them. So if you're interested in a future, okay, I'm not talking about crypto or Bitcoin or, you know, whatever else kind of nonsense you think is effective on the Death Star. If you're interested in a future where you can survive what is inevitable but live in this world now, send us an email, vpo at radengineering.tech. That's vpo at radengineering.tech. Send us an email to find out about what we're doing. Send us an email to find out if you might want to be an investor because we're looking for investors right now. Other than that, all I can tell you is live your fucking life. But if at the end of, the, end of your life you say to yourself, well, shit, fuck, that's okay, but it's still your life. It's your mess. you got to clean it up, right? 